Well, thank you, Chris. Um, I, I appreciate Chris having somebody to uh, lead and provide guidance to our service when Pastor Ken is on holidays. Uh, we appreciate you, brother. And God knows I would not be able to lead you in the singing of any hymns. I would join you, but I would not lead. Now, most of you know me, for those uh, that don't, I have been fighting my voice box for the last few weeks. So I've prayed and I asked God this morning that my voice is going to hold out for this morning. So uh, I have some water. Don't, uh, don't be surprised if I have to drink some water halfway through. But yes, I have the privilege of sharing this morning's message, and it doesn't matter how many times I get in front of a group of people, I get nervous. I'm not as cool as Toby or Chris. My hands are so sweaty right now, and I'm going to hold on to this pulpit so I don't fall over. All right? So, now, first of all, I've titled the, the sermon, because it's not really my sermon, I've titled it, The Gift of God, His Christmas Story. So, we've already heard from the ladies this morning that today is the first day of Advent, the first church service in December. And I'd like to thank the ladies' uh, Bible study group there for sharing with us and lighting the candle of hope. But what is Advent? And why is it important that we recognize it with the lighting of a candle? Well, Advent is the period of preparation extending over the four Sundays in December. And the word Advent comes from the Latin word advenio, which means to come to. And it refers to the coming of Jesus. Now, the first coming that we're going to recognize this morning is obviously at this time of year when we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. But a second type of Advent that we're going to recognize is in reference to the coming of Jesus in each of our lives when we receive the gift of salvation through faith in God's grace. And in a few moments, at the closing of our service this morning, we're going to celebrate all that Jesus has done for us on the cross by remembering the Lord's Supper, or communion, or mass, or Eucharist. Eucharist. It doesn't matter what you call it, because it's not the name that's important, but rather what we're doing and what it symbolizes and what it is a picture of that's important. And the main thing to remember that when we celebrate Communion, we, we celebrate the bread and the wine, is that first and foremost, we do so because Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. But also, when we take the bread and we take the grape juice, we are proclaiming to the people around us that Jesus is alive. And that leads us to the third coming that we can have in mind at Advent. And that is that Jesus is coming back one day. Amen? Some people will be excited and happy and rejoice at the coming of God. But there will be others who fear and tremble. And my question to you this morning is, how will you react on that day? We need to be sure that in celebrating Advent, we remember that Jesus is coming back. And that will bring the end of time as we know it. And so Christmas reminds us to get ready, to be ready for the coming of Jesus. And so in our Christmas preparations, as we look at Advent, 
We should have all three of these comings in mind. Remember, number one, we remember the coming of Jesus at Christmas time. And number two, we remember the coming of Jesus into our lives and changing us forever. And number three, we remember that big advent, the day upon which Jesus will return and make all things new. Amen? All right. So at the close of our service this morning, some of the deacons and the elders will come up and we will celebrate communion. And if you're not following Jesus today yet, then just let the bread and the grape juice pass you by. But I want you to think about how God wants to have Jesus change your life. Because the truth is that this world has a problem. And that problem is sin. And what is sin? Sin is anything that you think, that you say, or you do that's wrong. And sin is also not doing the good things that you know you should be doing. So this sin problem separates us from a holy God. And it's got to be dealt with. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so God our Father puts the penalty of sin on the back of his son Jesus who came at Christmas time and lived a perfect life and without sin, the only one who ever has and who could ever do so, which made him the perfect sacrifice for the punishment of sin. And so the Christmas story always sits in the shadow of the cross. But what makes the gospel of Jesus Christ good news is that death could not hold him and he rose victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And now all who come to him are set free from the bondage of sin and receive life forever in a relationship with Almighty God. That's the gospel. And so if you're not a Christian here this morning, yet then don't feel awkward or left out, but rather just let the bread and the wine pass you by. But I want you to feel the weight of what Jesus has done for you and think what he would have you do next in your faith journey. And for those of you who do have a relationship with Jesus this morning, we also want you to take a few moments and get quiet before God and prepare your souls to receive communion in a worthy manner. And no matter what you're dealing with or where you're at, you take the bread and you take the juice. And with all Christ followers, you celebrate how amazing Jesus is. Amen? All right. So I have been blessed. I received the privilege from Pastor Ken to share with you on this day, the first day of Advent. So what do you think I'm going to share about? Jesus! Yes, that's right. I am going to share with you the greatest gift that anybody can receive at Christmas time. And that gift is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to pray and then I'm going to preach. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus, and all that he has done for us, for us to be in a relationship with you. And I thank you for the Christmas story. And I thank you for sending us someone to save us from the slavery, from the chain and the shackles of sin. And we ask for forgiveness for worshiping so many other things in this world. Lord, but this morning, 
we ask to be reminded or even hear for the first time the true meaning of Christmas. And all of God's children said, Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I was listening and I heard a brief Christmas message from Max McLean. And today, I want to share with you this wonderful, amazing, awesome message. So let's begin. Why is Christmas the second biggest event in the Christian calendar? What is behind its festivity and joy? Well, today, in the next 20 minutes, we are going to hear the Christmas narrative and explore the size and magnitude of Christmas. And when we hear the Christmas story, do we really feel the weight of what is happening? Is it just a nice, sweet story? Well, yes. But it's also the most overwhelming expression of love that ever happened to the human race. Do we see that? We're going to start in a letter from the Apostle John, 1 John chapter 1. Now, this is an unexpected Christmas scripture passage, but it is definitely appropriate. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, and we have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. And now what John is telling us is that a huge event has just taken place. Did you miss it? It's an event so big that it changes everything. Nothing will ever be the same again. Why? Because the infinite, eternal being who created all things decided to pay us a visit. The immortal, invisible, king of kings, God of gods decided to knock on our front door and to get to know us, to get to know you, to get to know me, to ask us questions, to get to know us, to find out about our hurts and our pains. And he did not come with an entourage of angels in all their glory and splendor. He sneaked in at night, not as a prince, but as a carpenter catching the whole world by surprise. And John is telling us this, I met him. I was there. I saw him turn water into wine. I saw him take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 families. I saw him walk on the water. I heard him say that he is the truth and the way and the life and that nobody can get out of this sinful place except through him. I watched him cure diseases, make the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see. I saw him raise the dead. I saw him crucified and murdered. I saw him come to life again, walk through doors. I touched his nail-pierced hands, and I heard him say, I am making everything new. Follow me. 
You see, friends, at its core, Christmas is a reminder that all God went through to get to know you and me personally. And the big question is this. If God has done all that to get to know us, to become real to us, do we begin to understand all he is doing to help us come to him? And how much he is willing to endure for us to have a relationship with him? Now in high school, or at work or college, you remember having a crush on someone? Do you recall the things that you would do to get that person's attention? You would arrange whatever you had to, to uh, be seen coincidentally passing by her locker at just the precise moment that she would be there, or the water cooler, whatever it is. And do you remember how you felt when that person took notice of you, smiled, and gave you a little signal that they know that she might be interested in getting to know you a little bit? Have you ever experienced a more amazing feeling? And wouldn't you do anything to continue to encourage these receptive responses? Hi. Well, Christmas is like that. Because Christmas tells us all that God has done to get our attention. And we, so we, that might begin to pay attention to him. And now, join with me. As we go to the Bible, we go to the Word of God, the Scriptures... And we are going to hear the Christmas story as God has given it to us through the Bible. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit, That's, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions to the poor of the earth. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. 
The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, therefore since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write to you an orderly account for you, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. And Mary said, My soul does glorify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of me, his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things in me. Bless his holy name. Now, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the town of Bethlehem 
the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Now suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. God did all this to get to know us personally. And now, if God would come all this way for you and for me, how much more will he do when you begin to draw near to him? James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Christmas is an invitation to draw near to God. Christmas is celebrating all that God has done to make himself known to us. It's God's way of modeling the kind of relationship he wants to have with us and for us to have with each other. It's about, Christmas is about entering into another person's world for the purpose of building a relationship. Timothy Keller gave the example of this. Suppose a couple comes into a counseling session because they've been fighting. Their relationship is broken. And it needs to be fixed. And suppose the cause of the broken relationship is that they were arguing about how to raise the kids. The wife says, I need more help with the kids. And the husband says, well, wait, we should split the work up. My job is to work hard all day and be the breadwinner. Raising kids is your job. But after probing a little bit, you find out that in the wife's childhood home, her dad showed his love by helping mom with the kids. But in the husband's childhood home, his mom showed her love to his dad by making sure the kids were well taken care of. So in the wife's world, she saw her dad taking care of the kids as an expression of love for her mom. But in the husband's world, daddy didn't need to take care of the kids. That would be a sign of disrespect and lack of love because his mom showed his dad great respect and love by taking care of the kids for him. So how does one resolve a dispute like this? 
Somebody has to remember Christmas. Someone has to enter into the other person's world. Who will model Jesus and humble himself and enter into the other person's world? If both say, I'm not going into the other person's world, then they're not going to have a relationship. But if you follow the way of Christmas and you try to understand the other's love language, not what you consider love, but what they consider love, you begin to understand Christmas. You begin to get an understanding of what Jesus did when he became a baby in a manger in Bethlehem a long time ago. And if you get to this and you put this into practice, you're expressing the true meaning of Christmas. And now, we know that's hard. We struggle to get emotionally involved with other people to that level. We pull back. But Christmas challenges us to enter in because Jesus entered in. Jesus got involved in our lives. He learned our love language. He wept for us. He was pierced for us. And when we understand that radical, amazing, awesome nature of Christ's love for us, it begins to change us. It makes us willing to take a risk and enter into the lives of others. We know it's going to hurt. We know we're going to be disappointed. But because Jesus says, follow me, we go. When the time of the purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, for it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the light of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This prophecy was fulfilled many years later when they bound Jesus. They led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. Crucify him! They shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. 
but they shouted all the louder, crucify him, wanting to satisfy the crowd. He had Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away to the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him enough, they took off the purple robe, put his own clothes on him. They let him out to crucify him. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him held over his head read, The King of the Jews. In the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani! which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Christmas shows us all that God has done for us. And when we begin to understand the size of Christmas, the magnitude of Christmas, Christ Jesus entered our world and paid a huge price. And when we understand the price that Jesus paid for us, it changes us. It changes us so that we are free to enter into other people's worlds and to be an ambassador for Christ. To represent God to a broken and needy and hurting world. And as we share the joy that we have in Christmas, we share Christ. And when we share our joy in Christ so that another person gets it, that makes our joy complete. Let us close with this scripture from the Apostle Paul in a letter that he wrote to the Philippians. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort in his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Merry Christmas. This holiday season, I encourage you, read your Bible. You have just heard the Christmas message. You are starting the month of December off on the right foot. This is what Christmas is all about. You have an opportunity to either allow God to enter into your world so that you can enter into the lives of others. And I'm going to invite Chris to come up, and we're going to sing a hymn, and then afterwards we are going to share in the Lord's Supper and communion. And remember, if you have not yet set apart Jesus Christ as your Lord and King, then I encourage you today, receive the gift of salvation. Prayerfully ask God to forgive you of your sins and really, truly begin to experience this life to the fullest in a relationship with God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, creator of all things. So, Chris, it is you. Uh, you don't want me to lead in singing, but uh, thank you. And uh...